0: Well, good evening and Merry Christmas. So glad you're here this evening. Um, let's begin with prayer. Father, we, we praise you. We praise you, Father, for your son that you sent as we celebrate Christmas, as we, we think about the love that you have for us and uh, the, the, that night when Mary and Joseph were in a manger in a stable that um, you, you sent your son. Your son was born. And angels and shepherds and just so much excitement and so many things to think about and treasure as Mary is treasuring up in her heart. These, these facts that she hears, these things that are happening around and the beginning of, a, of an amazing time where your plan is coming, is, is unfolding before the world as it continues today. We praise you, Father, for that. We praise you for Christmas. We praise you for family. And as we worship you tonight, Lord, as we explore that night, uh, may we continue to hold Christmas close in our hearts throughout the whole year. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We're going to begin tonight by lighting the Advent candles. So tonight we're going to, of course, obviously light the, the... first purple, the smaller one, and then the next purple and the pink, and we're going to get to the fourth candle, which is also the purple one. And this Sometimes this candle is called the angel's candle, and it represents peace, because Jesus came to become human, really human, in order to bring peace between God and men. You know, we we try to grow out of our humanity, to leave our human nature behind, and God has become human. And we must recognize that God wants us also to become human, really human. You know, we we try to distinguish between the godly and the godless, the good and the evil, the noble and the common. but, But God loves real human beings without distinction. God takes the side of real human beings and in the real world against all their accusers. But it's not enough to say that God takes care of human beings. The sentence rests on something infinitely deeper and more impenetrable, namely that in the conception of birth of Jesus Christ, God took on humanity in bodily fashion. God raised his love for human beings above every a reproach of falsehood and doubt and uncertainty by himself entering into the life of human beings as a human being. By bodily taking upon himself and bearing the nature, essence, the guilt, and suffering of human beings out of love for human beings, God becomes a human. He does not seek out the most perfect human being in order to unite with that person, rather, he takes on human nature as it is. This is about. Is is about the birth of a child, not of the astonishing work of a strong man, not of the bold discovery of a wise man, not of the pious work of a saint. It, It really is beyond all of our understanding. The birth of a child shall bring about the great change, shall bring to all mankind salvation and deliverance. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has coming to being in him was life. And the life was the light of the world. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome. It. I'm going to. Uh I'm going to ask the kids to come up here and sit in this front row right here. I think that would be a good place for you. Okay. All right, so I was... I was busy today, and I, I didn't get a chance to put together my manger scene, so I'm going to need your help, okay? So we're going to put together the manger. So here we have the manger. Hmm. What's that? Donkey. Okay. Donkey. Izzy, you come up here and you put donkey where you want the donkey. You put him where you want him. Okay. Well, we got a donkey. Let's see what else we have in here. Abigail, what's that? Okay, why don't you come up and put the sheep in its place? Can I put it on the roof? No. Any place but the roof. Caleb, what is that? You want to come put him in there? Fenton, what's that? A donkey. donkey. You want to come and put him someplace up here? Hmm, let's see what else we have in here. Who else? Jordan, who's that? Who is it? No, somebody more important than a shepherd. No, it's Joseph. Why don't you come put him someplace? He looks like a shepherd, but it's Joseph. We're going to pretend he's Joseph today. All right. Aiden, who is that? It's Mary. Why don't you come up put Mary someplace? Who is it? The Not the roof. <laughs> who is that? It's okay, you come up and you put the angel where the angel belongs. Layla, I want you to put that there. Now this one you can put on the roof. Hey, cool. Can I put it right there? You put right there. Oh. Alright, so who's missing? Jesus. Alright, why don't you Because that's who we have right here, right? That's right. Okay, so come up and put him up here. Put him in there. All right. So, I okay. So that's great. So, does that everybody? Is that everybody? Yeah. The shepherds aren't here. Let's pretend they haven't come yet. You know, there's one more. I got one more thing in here. What is that? Don't you have a dragon in your manger scene? No. Now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. 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 I have a dragon in mine. Why don't you have a dragon in yours? Because it's not in the Bible. Now wait a minute. It's not. Hmm. Now I, th- I know. I know. I was reading this the other day, and I know I saw a dragon. All right. So what I going to do? I'm gonna let's go to the book of Luke. Okay. Let's let's check and see. I'm gonna double check myself. I know it's here. It's Luke chapter two. I want to read this, and you tell me if you see a dragon. Luke chapter two. Luke Chapter 2. Alright, starting with verse 8 and going to 14. Alright. Lots of pictures in this one. Okay. Here's what it says. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be assigned to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And earth, on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away with them into heaven, the shepherds said unto one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that was happening, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, the baby lying in the manger. Huh. There's no dragon. I know I saw a dragon. Where did I? I know. we got to go a little farther back. we got we to go a little farther back. we got to go back to the book of Revelation. All the way to the back of the Bible. Revelation. I know I read it. I know it's in here. I know it. Let me look here. Revelation twelve. Hmm. And this is what it says. It says, and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant. And was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And on his head was seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of the heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman that was about to give birth. So that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child one who is to rule all the nations with the rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. There's your dragon in the manger scene. But I want to tell you something. There's something different about this account in Revelation 12. This is the account of the birth of Christ, just like the one in Luke, just like the one in Matthew. But instead of Mary and Joseph and the angels and the animals, we have a different cast altogether. We have a woman who's being chased by a very powerful dragon who seeks to destroy her, she's pregnant about to give birth, and the dragon is hovering over her, waiting to devour and destroy the baby. See, what we have here is Christmas. But not from a worldly perspective, but from the perspective of the spirit world, of the unseen realm. It's a heavenly perspective. You know, Christmas has always been a time of conflict. You know, today we have pressures of of shopping for presents and and getting our homes in order. Some of us, you know, we actually had construction in our house this week. So contractors coming in and out. I know, we're crazy, right before Christmas. But we're getting our homes ready for visitors, for family. And now today we have obviously another point of contention, which is uh, fear over COVID and the vaccines and all the conversations that happen with that. You know, Christmas is supposed to be a time of of celebration, of a happy time with family and and the birth of the only hope that the world has. But instead, for some, it's become a time of division and time of pain and loss in our relationships. Family gatherings, while problematic before all this mess, have become even more so recently. I've heard stories of people who refuse to have family get-togethers anymore because of their fear but this actually pales in comparison to what was actually going on during that first Christmas in Bethlehem. You know, the, the story of, of the Grinch's plan to steal Christmas from the who's in Whoville really can't hold a candle to the Grinch who wanted to stop the first Christmas. And we see this in Revelation 12. Satan wanting to stop Christmas. He, did, he didn't want Jesus to be born at all. And he would do everything in his power, anything everything he could to stop it. And we'll talk more about this on Sunday, but under, about what he did, what he ultimately tried to do. But understand that Satan will attempt to stop God's plan. And Christmas was part of God's plan. That first Advent, that first Christmas. And it seems at times that he just might succeed. But God intervened because God always has the last word. So I want to kind of go through this account in Revelation 12. I know you're like, I had no idea that that was, but that is Christmas. But from a different perspective. If we go back to Revelation 12, we look at the first first verse. It says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. Well, we know this is this is a a something a vision that is seen a, a sign that appears in heaven. So we know that this is very symbolic. And now, at first, we might think that the woman is Mary. In fact, the Catholic Church will tell you that it's Mary, but they'd be wrong because it's not Mary. It is the nation of Israel. We could spend uh, a lot of time the next hour or so discussing why it's the the. Uh, why it's Mary, that's not Mary, and it's, it's actually Israel. But to put it rather simply, if you remember the story of Joseph back in the Old Testament, Joseph has dreams, and one of the dreams he has is there are 12 stars bowing to him along with the sun and the moon. And we know that the 12 stars represent the 12 tribes of Israel, and the sun and the moon was his mother and father. Jacob being one of them. And Rachel being the other. And this is the first time, it's, there's this thing called time of first mention. When we see a vision, when we see something mentioned and we're told what it is, anytime it's mentioned other times in Scripture, chances are it is the same thing. So we can make this connection. So this, the woman who is pregnant is Israel. She has the 12 stars and she has the sun and the moon at her feet. And in verse 2, it says she was pregnant, was crying out in birth pains, in the agony of giving birth. So you think about that. Israel is crying out. She's crying out. Because it was from Israel where the Messiah would come. And the woman is pregnant and crying out in agony. The Jews are definitely in agony after years and years of oppression under the Roman rule. So we have the woman who's about to give birth, and John sees her. She's crying out in pain. And in verse three, it says, "In another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems." And if this is a vision, then we know that that this is a symbol and it has representation. So uh, this is the dragon. But who is the dragon? Well, we, we always want to when we're looking at visions and we're looking at prophecy, we want to make sure that Scripture is used to interpret Scripture. So all we have to do is go a few more places further in Revelation and we get the identity of the dragon. In verse 7 of chapter 12, it says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the red dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. And he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So I believe that this either happened at the cross or it happened at the birth of Christ. Satan no longer has access to the throne room of God. He is defeated. He no longer has a place amongst God's counsel. The, the image we have in the book of Job where he comes in and God asks him questions what can no longer happen because he is no longer allowed in the presence of God. He's now on earth causing increasing conflict and division, hoping among hope to thwart the plans of God. In verse 4, it says he, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that he, when she bore her child, he might devour it. Again, Satan wants to destroy Christ. He does not want the prophecy that was given in Genesis 3.15 all the way back in the garden. He does not want it to come true. It says in Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Satan doesn't want that to happen. And you shall bruise his heel. So he wants to destroy the child that is about to be born. But it also says who the child is. And the child is one who will... Reign with a rod of iron. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with the rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. I know. It took all of Jesus' life and condensed it down into one verse. Because we know God did raise Jesus up to his throne and sat throne room and set him at the right hand of the Father. The male child is obviously Jesus. Mostly we know this because it says that he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And we see that in the book of Psalm. Psalm 2, 7-9 says, I will tell the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. So we can see from both... Revelation 12 and from Psalm 2 of a time called the Millennial Kingdom where Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. He'll rule the whole earth. But again, that's jumping way far ahead. And I want to just kind of share with you what I, what I think is where we're in the midst of today and have been since that time when Jesus ascended into heaven. We are in the time what's called the time of the Gentiles. When the number of Gentiles who believe is over, when we've fulfilled it, God, Jesus will actually, um, for something will happen where the Jews will finally believe. They'll finally see that they were wrong about Jesus. And many Jews will come to faith. Not all, but many. But before that even happens, one day a man called the Antichrist will come onto the scene and the period of the tribulation will happen culminating in the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Christ, the second advent. And then the millennium starts. Now the millennium, that word means a thousand. It is the thousand year reign of Christ on earth. Satan the dragon will be bound and put into the bottomless pit And Jesus will rule on the earth and with him in our perfected bodies we too will rule. Now, why does Jesus rule with a rod of iron? Why is it prophesied in Revelation 12 that the child that was born in the manger would rule with a rod of iron? Well, not everybody will want to be ruled by Christ. There will be people who will become believers during the tribulation. They'll make it through. As hard as that will be, and will make it alive through the tribulation, then during that thousand years, they will have descendants. And though it will be a time of perfect ruling, of perfection on earth, there will be a final short-lived rebellion that will quickly be squashed. Then the New Jerusalem comes down from heaven to earth, and we have new heavens and new earth. For eternity we are in the presence of God. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable of the talents. A master goes away and he he leaves resources with three of his servants according to their ability. And while he's gone, the servants do what they're supposed to do with it because they know their master is going to come back. Well, two of the servants at least doubled what their master had left them, but the third one buried his talent and only returned what his master had given him. See, this is what Jesus says to the faithful servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So what does that mean? What does that mean to us this Christmas? It means that if we are faithful with what God has given us, we will rule over many things in the millennial kingdom. See, Satan was re- waiting to destroy the child, to restore, re- destroy Jesus in the manger. Like I said, we'll talk about that on Sunday. And he tried to divert him from his mission when he tempted him in the desert. And even though Satan thought he was winning at the cross, but in reality, this was the death blow to his kingdom. So now he is here on earth, and he and we are his target. Because look what it says in verse 17. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Satan will always try to divert us from, the good and faith, from being good and faithful servants. He'll try to get us wrapped up in our problems of this world. He'll try to get us wrapped up in our own problems and he'll try to get us wrapped into social media and the many times and the many issues that we have in our lives. But Peter himself gives us some great advice in 1 Peter 5:8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So what do we do this Christmas? As we think about the baby in the manger. And we think about the battle that was going on in the spirit world at that time. About the dragon that was there. Trying to eliminate this child so that God's plan would not come through. Well, Jesus tells us, he says, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This Christmas, we need to remember to keep our focus on Christ. We need to keep our focus on the manger. We need to keep our focus on the cross. We need to keep our focus on the clouds waiting for His return. And this is what Part of what Jesus wants us to do for communion. When we take communion, he wants us, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of the child who was born in a manger. A child who almost lost his life if God had not intervened. A child who was tempted in the desert and when he became a man by Satan himself. A child who was unjustly tried and convicted and hung on a cross for our sins and died. But who rose again. Christmas is more than just about Christmas trees and, and gifts and all these things. Christmas is about the cross. Christmas is about not only the first coming, but the second coming. And a lot is going to occur in between those two. So we must be watchful. We must stay awake, be on guard. Satan hasn't given up. He knows he can't win. But he wants to take as many of God's children out of God's grasp as he can. Do not let him fool you. Do not let the world fool you. Don't let your human desires deceive you. Christ will come back again, but this time not as a baby, but as a conquering king. Let's pray.